The voice of reason. The voice of alarm. The voice of stats. The voice of scouts. The voice of Kool-Aid. The voice of dismay. The voice of Davo. Wow. My goodness, the Royals choked tonight as they move to 4-11 and 11 against the Tigers. They've won 4 of 15, and in my book, the Royals now trail Detroit by one half game in their quest to win the AL Central and end the longest uh, playoff drought in professional sports. Technically, they're tied with Detroit, but as we talk about here all the time in Clubhouse Conversation, they're a half game back now. And the Royals did everything they could to make sure they didn't win this game tonight. Let's talk about it. Welcome into another edition of Clubhouse Conversation. It's Dave O on your dish after a very, very, very disappointing, exasperating, and quite frankly, almost embarrassing loss to Detroit, 4-2. to You come into this series, well, I mean, let's go back to earlier in the year. I mean, you know the record, 4-11. and You go back to at home when Casey got completely demolished and swept by Detroit. You know, they'd taken three out of four at one point in Detroit. That was nice. But other than that, I mean, you go into this series after completely choking against Cleveland. I mean, we don't we don't have to go through that again with the offense in a couple of those games versus Cleveland, some of the key errors, and, again, the offense. You can just talk about the offense over and over again. I mean, the Royals, for all intents and purposes, now 0-5 against their division foes who are also completing for the playoffs in the last you know, week, 10 days with Cleveland and Detroit. I count that third game against Cleveland as a loss, which is why I call them a half game back right now. And the Royals just aren't hitting the ball. The pitching for the most part in those games, not all of them, but for the most part has been good enough for the Royals to win with just a league average offensive effort. Even some of those games, just below average offensive effort would have gotten the Royals W's. And to me, it's in their head by now. I mean, four to two tonight to Detroit. Let's go over some of the highlights here. The Royals go 1-for-10 with runners in scoring position. They strand 11 base runners. Would have been more if guys aren't getting picked off bases, which we'll talk about here in a second. Let's go through some of the, the, game, the innings in particular. The Royals have first and second, nobody out in the second inning. First and second, nobody out in the second. They get none. KC has the bases loaded with one out in the fifth. They've already gotten one run in. Bases loaded, one out in the fifth. Trailing at that point, three to one. And what do they do? They get none from that point forward. Bases loaded one out, they get none. And then in the ninth, two on, nobody out, get none. It's been situational hitting all year, but especially the last few weeks. It's been lack of clutch hitting. Whether you believe in clutch hitting or not, I do. And to me, nothing exemplifies how clutch exists in baseball more than watching this Royals team against recent games against Cleveland and Detroit. Teams that they are supposed to beat if they're going to make the playoffs. Teams that are near or at their or slightly above their level. Games you have to win. And in these games, the Royals aren't themselves. They're bumbling the ball around. They're not getting runners in. They're swinging at anything up there. It's like they, it's like they just have a weight in their head. They're depressed, and they feel like they have no chance at winning. It's like they just expect the worst to happen, and they're trying so damn hard not to mess up that they mess up. They're not playing loose. They're not having fun. I mean, don't tell me that clutch hitting or clutch situations don't exist. Watch this team and tell me they don't. As I, my favorite argument is always these guys aren't robots. They're real human beings, and, and it shows. The final nail in the coffin tonight comes in the way of Gerard Dyson picked off of a base for the third time since August 25th. Let's go back and look at our calendar here, our trusty calendar here in Clubhouse Conversation. 
In the last 15 days, Gerard Dyson has been picked off three times. August 25th, picked off for the first out of the game. He gets on base in the first inning. He's picked off August 25th. Oh, very next night, not to be un, you know outdone, very next night, he's picked off leading off the sixth inning as the first out. Tonight, picked off for essentially a meaningless run. Terrence Gore's run over at first base was the only one that really mattered. You had to get Dyson home to get Gore home. So, I mean, yes, I understand you want to get those runners to second and third, so you take the double play out of the equation and a, a base knock ties the game. That's fine. That's fine to send them there. I'm not mad at Ned. Some people are criticizing Ned for pinch running or, for, or sending the runners there, although technically Ned did not send the runners there. Dyson has the green light in that situation, as Ned discussed after the game. Either way, I'm fine with it. It makes sense, guys. The Royals are, are, are pretty much stealing at about an 80% clip this year. So four out of five times they're running, they're making it. In that situation, I'm, I'm okay with it. Is it the best move ever? No, but I'm okay with it. I'm, I'm not going to hate on Nettiost or Dyson for attempting to go. But you cannot freaking get picked off three times in 15 days. And when your run essentially means nothing in the ninth inning of just a giant game of the biggest series you've had since the 85 World Series. And that's pathetic. Think about that for a second, where we're sitting at. This is the biggest series we've had in almost 30 years. And they're, and they're playing like it, again, because they, they're, they're buckling under the pressure. They're choking. I honestly believe that. And that's not to hate on the guys. I mean, Detroit's been there three times in a row. Cleveland's been there last year. They, they have more experience. And the Royals have a little bit of an experience, but they were never the hunted last year. They were always the hunters trying to hunt Cleveland and Detroit, but now it's role reversal. It's the first time the Royals have gone through this, and it shows. That's, that's nothing to hate on our guys, but they're choking. They would tell you the exact same thing. They're not getting the job done. You cannot get picked off second base. And then Salvador Perez ends the game, striking out on a, a pitch at least 15 inches outside. At least. Everybody in the ballpark, everybody in the continental U.S. knew that pitch was coming. A slider or a curveball or a changeup, low and away. It's the cherry on top for Salvi tonight. He saw 12 pitches and five at-bats. And, yes, he did almost go yard once. I'm recognized in that. But 12 pitches and five at-bats ain't going to get it done. Salvi's swinging at anything within a country mile of the plate. Trying to pull every single one of them on top of that. It'd be one thing if he's swinging at these pitches low and away and slapping the ball to right field. Now, when Salvi came up back in 11 in last year when he was really going good, hits the ball to right center to right field. He uses the whole ballpark. Now it's Pull everything. Swing at everything. Pull everything. He's making no adjustments, and I cannot figure it out for the life of me what he's thinking or what this coaching staff is thinking. Surely they're talking to him about it. Do, do we need to go high school and put a take sign on the first pitch? Because he ain't getting first pitch strikes except for when he swings at them that, that aren't strikes. He's making balls. Strikes. No adjustments are being made in the games. And that's all I care about. It's predictable. I mean, I hate calling Salvi's at bats recently pathetic, but they are. First pitch hack, breaking ball low and away, fastball up. Then it's breaking stuff or soft stuff low and away until Salvi strikes himself out or weakly grounds out to shortstop. Occasionally he'll get a loop job, but I don't understand. Salvi is such a good hitter when he – look at him at the start of this year when he used to walk and be patient. He was just raking. Let's go back to the at-bat in the ninth inning before Dyson gets picked off. If he doesn't swing at that first pitch, that's a ball. He's already ahead in the count 1-0. I mean, Salvi can do big things when he has the edge in the count, and the pitcher has to throw him a strike. Do we need to tell him not to swing like high school? Lorenzo Cain finds himself 
0-2 or 1-2 almost every at-bat the last few weeks before striking out. He goes 0-4 tonight with two Ks, and Kane has now K'd in nine of his last 30 at-bats. It's almost like he's made up his mind he's going to swing on several pitches before the pitch even comes. I don't, I don't understand it. Another guy I've been disappointed in this year offensively. A guy that I saw with Mike Cameron upside, a 15 to 20 home run guy. We know he can play gold glove defense out there, although that's been shaky the last few weeks. I think Kane's tired. I think some of these guys are tired. I really do. I think it took a lot out of these guys to come back when you dug that hole earlier. We talked about that as it was happening, how they had so much work just to get back to even and get their heads above water, and they've done that, but now they're back at not above water anymore. They're just right where they have to be, and now they got to go on another streak. Do they have it in them mentally and physically? I mean, these guys look tired, some of them. That's, that's another thing, you know? Salvi and Kane and, and Fonte did have three hits tonight. That was good to see, but he got another bad error. He continues to make errors defensively. He couldn't turn a double play yesterday that – I mean, that between that and Hosmer and some other stuff led to Jeremy Guthrie having the floodgates open, but probably unfairly on him. Infante struggled getting thrown out of third base in New York, not running hard some of the time since the All-Star break. I mean, we can go on and on. Ned Yost today said it would be dumb to move him out of the two spot. I mean, I disagree. Ned said the reasoning is we won when he was there in those, all those games. Well, that's the same rationale. Wasn't Billy Butler playing first base that whole time and playing every day when we were winning? And wasn't he the big part of that? Omar wasn't really a big part of that. He hasn't hit since the first half. Butler was, but he's not playing now. With that said, I'm not saying Butler should be playing right now because he shouldn't be. He's been awful. But my point is if, if Ned's going to use that rationale, it doesn't add up because he's not doing it in other places. The Royals now have 16 errors in their last 11 games. This has been a team, I, I don't know, are, are they tired guys? It's a team that hasn't been playing like themselves the last 10 days. And, and yes, I understand that they, it's not like the, the sky's falling here. They took two out of three in New York after sweeping Texas, yeah. And they had some bad luck tonight, yes. Alex Gordon nearly went yard to probably would have won the game. Was fouled by what? I mean, if he swings the bat a tenth of a second later, it's a three-run shot. The Royals probably are going to win this game, and we're excited right now. You know, and Salvi smokes a ball, and then some other balls were hit hard right at people. Castellanos made a great play at third. Ian Kinsler, a great play to snare a line drive off the bat of Willingham in the eighth inning. It's all true, and some people might say it's bad luck, but you know what? Detroit is playing like a first-place team who's been there before and will get there again. They're making the plays on defense. They're playing loose. They're hitting the baseball. They're pitching just well enough. The Royals aren't doing that. In this series, they're not doing anything well. They're not pitching well in this series. They're not playing defense well. They're not hitting well. They're not running the bases well. What are they doing well right now? Nothing. That's got to change tomorrow. We'll talk about that here in a little bit. I mean, J.D. Martinez even was making great plays yesterday, which is – I mean, the guy's underrated, uh, not underrated, un under uh, below league average defensively. Spit it out there, Dave. That's what I was trying to say. Again, though, the story continues to be the inept KC offense. And you can say they're unlucky, but not really. They scored two earned runs against New York and won two games. So I'm not going to buy the bad luck stuff at all. The Royals are not fundamentally sound offensively. They're not moving runners. They're not making contact enough. They're hacking at everything. They did walk five times tonight. Give them credit for that. But it could have been eight or nine times, not to mention... The fact that if they actually take some pitches and get ahead in the count, well, first of all, they get Scherzer out sooner and get to that suspect bullpen. But second of all, they give themselves a chance to end this home run drought because if you got to you know, see more pitches, more chances for a pitcher to make a mistake, A, and B, more chances to get ahead in the count, favorable counts mean better pitches. KC has not hit a home run out of the park since Nick Tepich was taken deep by Alex Gordon last Wednesday against Texas. That's five and a half games ago. 
I don't count the Kane home run. That was a fluke, and that was inside the park in a meaningless situation at that point. The Royals have not taken a ball out of the park, a legit home run, in five and a half games in September. Give them credit. I mean, they, they, they did win the Texas games and the New York games, but it's going to eventually catch up with you. Your pitching, I mean, your pitching can't be winning two to one and one to nothing games every day. It's just not going to work. They can do that for a small amount of time. Tonight, I thought, like I said, Omar Infante, I think his approach has been decent decent to good all year. He does give you a pretty professional at-bat. But besides him, the only two I can really say for sure have really good professional at-bats, Alex Gordon just having amazing at-bats right now. The last five weeks, he has tried to put the team in his shoulders, and he's largely done that. He'll walk a couple more tonight for AG. Hit the ball to the ballpark. He'll do whatever it takes. He'll see some pitches. Josh Willingham, what did he have, a nine-pitch at bat against Max Scherzer tonight? Good at bat. So walk. Hit the ball to the bar proc. Do whatever it takes. Moustakis, I thought, has a decent plate approach. It's not, he's hitting the ball better. I'll give Moose some credit. Moose has been having better at bat. That's still not where it needs to be, but he's hitting the ball to the left side more now, taking advantage of that. He's becoming a more complete hitter. All year, he's had better at bats. There's no doubt about that. Seeing more pitches, I feel like he does have an approach up there. But outside of those four, I mean, you go through the majority of this lineup, I mean, Aoki had a nice at-bat tonight, fouling off pitch after pitch, but I, I don't like his at-bats. How many times does he get on base to lead off a game? That's, that's, a, that's something I want somebody listening right now to do for me. Get that answer for me because I'm too bummed. i got to crack a beer open after this. <laughs> somebody go through. Somebody listening, please, send me a tweet or email me. Go through. Can you do this? It would probably take 20 minutes. Can you go through maybe 30 minutes? Go through every game of the year when Nori Aoki leads off. How many times, let's say he's, I don't know how many games he's led off this year, probably, what, 105 maybe? 100 games. Oh, he's been in the leadoff spot. Go through and see how many times he's gotten on base to start a game. I'm willing to bet you it's about 15% of the time. He's not getting on base, period. And he's out in the second pitch almost every at-bat, it seems like, especially to start games. So, I mean, Nori, I'll give him credit tonight, but if overall I'm not impressed at all with his at-bats this year. And I'm not trying to single guys out here. It's a team game, and but, I mean, then again, I've, I've mentioned about five or six guys. There's a lot of guys I'm mentioning tonight, which shows it's a team game. And I'm not trying to hate on these guys. I love all these guys. They're all busting their ass, doing the best they can. But it's it, right now, it's just not happening. I mean, you've got Dyson getting picked off when essentially he's on the team to play defense and steal bases and, and be a pinch runner. He's a fourth outfielder. He's a third-and-a-half outfielder, as I call him. Better than a fourth outfielder, but not good enough to be a third outfielder is how I see him. He's gotten picked off three times in 15 days, making errors defensively, not getting bunts down. We've seen him not being able to get bunts down. That kind of stuff just can't happen. Lorenzo Cain, I don't know if he's tired, but his approach is awful, and he's not getting the job done. Salvador Perez in a big O for not getting the job done. Billy Butler, not getting the job done. You just you continue to go down. Omar Infante until today, not getting the job done. You just, I mean, it's just these guys have got to start producing. The time is ticking. Jason Vargas, pitching-wise, I thought he settled in after two innings. I mean, what do they all say? You get the good ones early or you don't get them. So let's go through this one. The Royals don't get Max Scherzer early. Nothing the first couple of innings, including that first and second, nobody out in the second, and they never really got him because of it. Now the Tigers, meanwhile, got Vargas early. Three runs in two innings. Like they say, you know, if you don't get the good ones early, you don't get them. The Tigers got him, and they won the game. That's simple. Rajai Davis, the highlight with his two-run, no-doubt, homer in the second. Vargas's pitch count was nearing 50 by the end of that. Overall, five and a third, four runs on six hits. Six Ks and three walks. One was intentional. Just not a very good day for Vargas. Not awful. I'll, I'll give Vargas a solid day. Against, this, against the Tigers' offense, the way they're hitting right now, five and a third, four runs is solid. It's not good. It's solid. Not good enough. 
But if you have an offense that's league average or slightly above or that's hot, it's forgivable and winnable, and the Royals still had a chance to win the game tonight very easily. Aaron Crow was really good. Give him some credit. He's been very good since coming back from Northwest Arkansas. One and two-thirds of perfect baseball. I want to give Jim Brower some credit down there in Northwest Arkansas. I mean, obviously, Aaron Crow is a major league pitcher, so I'm not saying, in, in Dave, you know, obviously, Dave Island has a lot to do with that, and Aaron Crow himself does. But Jim Brower, everything he touches seems to turn to gold lately. I like that coaching staff a lot in Northwest Arkansas between him and Vance Wilson. Keep your eye on them as MLB guys in the next few years, maybe next year, two years. Kelvin Herrera, one scoreless inning on two hits, one K, and it was just a bad baseball game by the Royals. You saw error from Omar Infante, couldn't get the big hit, getting picked off bases. I mean, they just played the crap. Tomorrow's a must win for the Royals. You lose that game tomorrow, you're a game and a half out. You win, you're up a half game. That's a two-game swing, ladies and gentlemen, as we head towards the last two and a half weeks of the season. If you lose tomorrow, honestly, you probably have to almost sweep Detroit at home to win the division, depending on what Detroit does. And I just see Detroit getting more confident, more confident. If they get that lead, it's going to be awfully hard to get them out of first place if they go up more than a game. Awfully hard. Because they've been there before, they're confident right now, and they're playing banged up, guys like Miggy, but you know they'll find a way to grind through it. They get harder and harder to beat the longer the season goes. The Rails could have put them away between the Cleveland series and this one. They're not doing it. Got to win tomorrow to salvage it. You win tomorrow, you have a 3-3 three and three trip. We said that was the minimum. Okay, 3-3, three and three, I can live with it. You come home, you're still in first place by a half game. Screw the one-game crap, we're going to lose that game in Cleveland. We're up a half game if we win tomorrow. Down a game and a half if we lose. Huge baseball game with James Shields going against Rick Porcello. God, I can't remember his name there for a second. <laughs> Getting old here, 33 years old. James Shields has to be the man tomorrow. I mean, we're talking no more than two runs and in seven innings. Because you can't trust this offense. I mean, seven innings, three runs, seven innings, or eight innings, four runs might be okay some days for a, a good offense or an average, but James Shields has got to go seven and two minimum. Herrera Davis available. You'd like to hope Holland's available, although I don't know if he was again today. I'm not sure what's going on with that. We're coming up in a week since he last appeared. I'll be getting nervous if we don't see him by Thursday. But James Shields has got to be damn good tomorrow. Because again, seven innings, two runs. That's basically saying you're gonna hold you're gonna hold Detroit to two runs for the whole game because you're saying Davis and Herrera are automatic. And I think that's what it's gonna take. I, I don't know that this Royals offense can score more than three runs tomorrow. I don't know if they can score more than two runs. I keep predicting these explosions offensively, and they ain't happening. I mean, there's no signs of them happening. People are pressing, and they're having god-awful at-bats. I don't, I don't understand it, some of these guys. I just don't understand it. We'll see what happens. Get a win tomorrow. Come home 3-3. Three and three. Like I said, you're in decent shape. You're half game up in first place, and you hope Cleveland can get healthy against Detroit this weekend, and and then you've got Detroit one more time head-to-head. The Royals are going to – either way, the Royals are in a must-win series against Detroit when they come to the K, no matter what happens tomorrow. If they win tomorrow, you can win two out of three and probably be okay. And that's much more doable than having to sweep. If you lose tomorrow, you have to sweep Detroit when they come to Kansas City. It's that simple. Because Detroit got a cake last week, and the Royals still have Cleveland that last week, and they're going to face Chris Sale and probably Corey Kluber. The Royals have to have a lead going into that last week. They cannot be playing from behind that last week. So it's a must-win series in KC against Detroit either way now that you've lost two out of three. You lose this game tomorrow, you've got to sweep them. 
And I don't want to talk about the wild card because I don't want the damn wild card. I want the I want the division. We've been in first place for about a month now, and it's right there for the taking. And the wild card's a one game thing. The Royals are currently out of the wild card at the season end of the, you know today. And who wants that one game wild card where you lose and you go home? You work all year for that, and you lose and go home. And if you win, you got to face the top seed. No, you don't want that wild card. That's I'm not even thinking about the wild card. To me, that would be backing into the playoffs. I'd take it, but at this point, I wouldn't be that excited about it if we're being honest. I'm excited about the best of five, the ALDS. I'm excited about winning the division. We'll talk to you again tomorrow night here on Clubhouse Conversation. Hope you were able to hear the interview we had with Luke Hochaver today. It was a very informative interview. He and, and good news, he does throw for the first time since his Tommy John surgery tomorrow. I do think Luke will be back in 2015. I know he wants to come back from talking to him. He really was all about it. So check out that interview with him. It's about 20 minutes in length. And Calvin Pickering, we published that one yesterday. Got interviews coming up with some more good Royals. Steve Rinko, who pitched here at the end of his career back in 83, had a nice long career as a, as a pitcher and was a quarterback at KU with Gale Sayers in the same backfield. We'll have him coming up in the next week. And um, Mike Kingery, outfielder for the Royals in 86, nearly won a batting title with the Rockies in the mid-90s. Jeremy Guthrie will be back on with us again. So a lot of cool stuff coming up here on Clubhouse Conversation, talking to your favorite current and former Royals and, and breaking down the games. Hopefully tomorrow will be a much more – Happy edition. And they've got to score some runs, though, guys. I mean, this has been going on way too long now. Have a good night.